Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, our summer of fun continues. And, you know, we have some real themes here. We, we really do love celebrating the arts, and this is a good time to do it. Tell us about today's guests. Yes, yeah, so we're super excited to have Audrey Amadeo with us and the Arts for Autism Foundation, Arts for Autism Dance, I believe. So welcome, Audrey. We're so excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, girls. Thanks. Well, so we'd love for you to start by just giving us a little bit of an overview of what your organization does. And uh, maybe I think the big question every parent in America has maybe the cost and the time involved. Awesome. So us at the Arts for Autism Foundation, we provide free spectrum dance therapy classes. And now we are launching a creative learning program, which is therapeutic based and a summer camp. So we incorporate the arts into our learning experience, and we've been doing it for nine years now. So exciting. And it's, you said it's 10 weeks. So we do host our classes in sessions. So similarly to like college courses where you have a fall term, a spring term, a summer term, we run it just like that. So sometimes eight weeks, sometimes 10 weeks, and it is free of charge for the parents. So we fundraise in between each session in order to provide it for free. And it, and it can you have two kids, 200 kids? Where, where's the free one? So we out? cap it. Definitely <laughs> cap it. I do call it controlled chaos because yeah. <laughs> we have all kids all across the spectrum and we are inclusive. So we encourage their neurotypical peers um, or siblings to join in the classes. Um, but we cap it at 15 students. And if they want to bring someone, we don't count that. So oh, on average, we have anywhere between 15 to 20 kids in a class. Um, and we host three classes per season. So that's on average of 45 plus kids every Saturday for our Saturday dance party. Wow. Like a blast. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And, and that, um, that word free, I know will resonate with a lot of people. And I also know from, you know, doing these kinds of things that, it just is, shows the commitment on y'all's end to find the volunteers and the people to come out and help and to work. So I encourage anyone in our audience to go out and look in your own community to see what people are offering that you can help support. Um, I Specific to that idea of these, these classes and the way that they're offered, um, what if I'm, what if I'm, you know, living in a different state and we don't have that right here? What do you, do you have any ideas for how anybody could kind of get started in, creating anything? Yes. Yes. So I actually, two years ago, um, when the pandemic first started, I knew I had to pivot and I needed to offer these classes virtually. And it inspired me to create online content. So I developed different online courses for parents, families, teachers, community leaders that are interested in potentially the fields of both ABA, which is my field, and the field of dance therapy. Um, so you can actually either just learn what it is at a very basic level. Hey, I want to learn the basics of it. I want to incorporate it into my day-to-day -day with my kids at home, all the way up to I want to be certified and I want to start a program. We have that variety online available um, that you can access these online courses. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and it actually worked out beautifully during the pandemic. I saw a lot of people from different states getting certified to start these programs in their communities. 
That's a great idea. So so anyone could use your material as long as they're brave enough to organize the group and yes. to lead it. And I think that's a, yeah. a great way for people to get started. And sometimes it's as you know, simple as in your own community and your living room and bringing a few yeah. a few kids in so that we have have some energy. That's a, that's a very helpful resource. You mentioned the ABA and and this part of, you know, one of the hats that you wear. And it's it's funny as somebody who teaches behavior courses. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I am always talking about different theories of behavior and often therapy based, especially when it involves the arts, uh, can feel like it's the opposite of, you know, the, the rigid ABA format. So I'm just curious, can you help us reconcile that if I'm somebody who's a true behaviorist, Mm. You know, um, how do I, how do I view this? What are the outcomes for kids? Like what, why would I do this? Right. So I love this question because I get it a lot and I always tell, even if parents come with that concern too, even though I get most of that question from professionals in the field, um, I do get it from parents sometimes. And for me, it's okay. Dancing is fun. It's therapeutic in its nature. We're looking at the evidence-based specific movements that come from movement therapy. We incorporate those. Perfect. But in these classes, I'm not your BCBA. If you were my, if I was your BCBA, you wouldn't be in my class basically, because I, I I do like to keep that very separate. Um, but if you are in my class, you cannot take out my ABA experience from what I do. And I, basically focus on the parts of mostly positive behavioral support. So the specific language that I use, how I use motivation, how I use reinforcement, how I use praise in my classes, how I use visuals in my classes, all of that comes from my experience in ABA. Is this a, a, a direct ABA service delivery? No, it is not. This is dance. This is fun. But the reason why it's successful is that I learned how to manage the behaviors in a group setting to where these I'm getting the most out of these kids. So early on in my career, I did see, wait a second. And and this is before our registered behavior technicians was a thing. This was 11 years ago. This was early on. I was just getting started in the field and starting to develop spectrum dance therapy. And I noticed, wait, some of the same skills that I'm working on in these therapy sessions are the same skills that I'm working on in my dance sessions, yet I have their buy-in and they're participating and they're actually answering these questions and doing these things. So am I collecting data? No. Am I showing graphs? No, it's not rigid. I'm not trying to copy paste every child to be the same way. Every kid does not have their own behavior plan. It is more of using the tools, the basic principles of ABA and using them to manage a classroom setting, how to have a successful class. Um, That's where the ABA comes in for the dance therapy part. So I I wish our listeners could see your excitement, your face, your smile. Don't love at all what you do. (laughs) So we thank you for your passion and really starting something. And and again, the passion to make it free, make it accessible. We love that you added the neurotypical. So I would love a little reflection from you with all this fun experience. 
You know, I think the fun that that's the smile on your face is probably the outcome of what you see or you wouldn't still be doing this. So take me through either a single journey of a kid or maybe of a class. What does it look like in the beginning versus what's the fun you see at the end? What are those changes that people should be looking for that puts that smile on your face? Um, It is very special to see kids be who they are unapologetically. I'm not interrupting who they are. I'm more embracing who they are and celebrating that in a 45 minute session where they come in. A lot of times it's, it's overwhelming. That first session, I brace myself because I know it's going to be a lot of behaviors. There's mirrors, there's tons of people, there's loud music. They're in a new environment. So it could be a lot. Um, So I see a lot of kids covering their ears, hiding in the corner, crying. And I do a more of a desensitization approach where it goes like little by little. And I don't force my kids to do anything in the classes. It's supposed to be fun. Um, So assuming a child loves music and loves dancing, I give them the time to do so. And in those 10 weeks, they'll start to give me a little bit more and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And by the end, you'd be surprised that in 10 weeks, the progress that you see in these kids, every child is going to progress at a different level. Some kids start to say their first words. Some kids, it's just the fact that they're not covering their ears and they're enjoying looking at themselves in the mirror. Some kids, it's a fact that they are imitating what I'm showing them. They're replicating the dance moves. For some kids, it's the circle time activities where they're engaging with other kids and pointing and, you know, saying, gesturing your turn, um, where they're coming up with their own dance moves and being creative in that way. So every kid grows in a very different path in a different way, but I always see growth, which I think that's so reinforcing to me to see that, you know, in such a fun way. It's reinforcing to me because I love dancing and fun, but to see them grow like that and in such a at their pace is is definitely rewarding. Well, and and uh, you know, I'll throw the next question to Becky, but I do think what you said is that when it's fun for everyone, it's just fun. And I, yeah. I just love that you, you know, the parents, the kids, everybody from start to finish in 10 weeks. I I love the fact that that seems like about the right amount of the right amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Audrey, my my final questions of fairly basic one. And I think you answered in part by telling us that your resources are available online and hopefully we will be providing a link in our, um, our podcast to your resources. Cause we would love our audience to have access, um, from a teacher standpoint, mm-hmm. um, are the exercises that you've shared, are there things that I could take from that as a teacher that I could do in an inclusive class? Yes. Um, I actually have a course that is geared towards teachers. So I have one that's for classroom management strategies. I have one that is for parents. I have one that's for someone who wants to learn a, um, about spectrum dance therapy. Anyone that's going to volunteer in that capacity, whether you're a parent or not, um, I re- actually require them to take the volunteer course so that they know at least the basics of what the goals are that we're working towards in our sessions. Um, And then, of course, the certification class. So even teachers, if you want to learn different how to use ABA strategies in a more loose way as a service delivery and in managing group settings, especially inclusive classes, that's also a course I would recommend. And have you ever thought about um, 
you know, being 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 a a virtual synchronous um, teacher where you might have kids from across the country all logging in at the same time on a we Zoom did call. do that. We did do that during the pandemic for a year and a half. We wow. hosted virtual classes. Um, it worked out best for the older kiddos. Um, my teenagers, some of my adults, they they definitely um, appreciated it more and couldn't tolerate a 45 minutes of Zoom with me um, more <laughs> so than my little, little ones. Right. Um, they were like all over the place. Right. Um, but but yeah, we did we did get to experience that side of it during the pandemic. Well, we appreciate all of the work you've done in this field. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for for all the work you're doing now with this awesome podcast. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Well, my last question, actually, Becky stole, so I'm going to change it um, from the classroom teacher. But literally, if I'm a parent at home and I have a kid who, you know, has really severe challenges in what's the one dance move thing you'd recommend to start with? Um, the rocking side to side or forward and back. Because okay. that stimulates the amygdala in our brains, which helps regulate our moods and helps us calm down like you would with a baby who is crying that you rock them on a rocking chair. It's that same notion, but you can put music on and now you're dancing. So getting him to rock side to side or rocking forward and back, you could do a conga, you could do a shimmy forward and back, you can make it fun. And it kind of helps regulate their moods in, in, in those instances where it's getting really high up there. Well, while you all, while we were listening, we all started rocking. We so we recommend <laughs> all our, our podcast listeners do the same because I think we can all use a little de-stressing and a little conga um, on a daily basis. Well, we thank you again, Audrey, for such a, a great uh, mission story and passion and helping us think about summer fun. If folks have questions, you can post them uh, on our Facebook page, Practical Access, or you can send us a tweet at Access Practical. Thank you again, Audrey. We appreciate you. Thanks we appreciate so much. you too.